We are thankful for our educational system here in our community. <clears throat> Continue to pray for all the ministries that go on there. Uh, I'd like to again welcome you to Collegedale Community Church. I am Tom Hayes. I'm the associate pastor for Church Life here at the church and uh, very blessed in this ministry here. And uh, before we get into our, our time, our sermon time today, I'd like to um, invite us to, to join together in prayer. Our prayer emphasis this week, we have a prayer emphasis uh, card that we carry. We have these at the welcome desk if you'd like. But today we're, we're praying specifically for our volunteers here at the church and other volunteers. Wherever you are in your church, uh, whatever church you attend, it's an excellent time to pray for all those who give their time and efforts for the ministry of our church. So at this time, I'd like to invite everyone who can to join me as we kneel together for prayer today. Father, once again, we come to you this morning, and it's now our time to communicate with you through prayer. I am just praying for each one that is here today. We know that we all have burdens on our hearts. Many of us may have praises, though, to sing this week, and we present all of those issues of life to you. We place them at the foot of your throne. We know you're able. We know you're willing. And you want nothing more than to be part of our lives. And to answer those prayers according to your glory is our prayer today. Pray again for our volunteers today specifically. Not only at our church, but at other churches that are giving other time again as they go through weeks of, of service and giving so that others may receive blessings on the weekend. We thank you for each one, whether it's a, a committee member, a leader, a, a Sabbath school director. Uh, all of our volunteers that make this church function, we are all part of your ministry here, Lord, and we thank you for the blessings of our church. So today, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to also join us in our worship time as we talk about what we can do more for you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will enter our hearts and minds as we open your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you're visiting today, I need to just update you a little bit on my background before these stories make any sense to you that I'm going to share. Um, I grew up in rural West Virginia, just outside of Charleston, West Virginia, um, in an area between uh, where our house was actually located between Alum Creek and Davis Creek. <clears throat> and actually, we were given a nickname. Our road uh, was called Tick Ridge. And Tick Ridge was named because not of psychological issues that we may have experienced, but it was actually there because we had animals and most of those animals would have a lot of ticks. So there you go, Tick Ridge. And it was a great place to grow up. There weren't that many people that lived along the ridge, gravel road for most of my life. And growing up there though had its challenges. We had about, I, I think I've tried to do the math on this, I think our house was about 1,250 square feet maybe a little bigger. I, I'm thinking I need to find out the exact dimensions. But it was small when you have eight people living in that house. And uh, it, it had its challenges, not only for the space for the bedrooms, but the, the aspect that really made it a challenge for us to get along together was the fact that we had one single bathroom. Yeah, I hear the awe is going on on that one. And there was three sisters, three brothers, a mom and a dad. And believe me, when you talk about sharing, 
you know, it was, it was a sharing experience or survival experience at least. We also existed on one income. My father worked at Union Carbide for 44 years, and uh, it was his income that kept us above. Uh, you know, my mom would work for the church a little bit and work for insurance agents part-time or whatever to try to get a little money whenever, we, uh, whenever she could. <clears throat> but there were challenges trying to make ends meet, as we would say. We did a lot of things to make that work. And you know, this is the neat thing about my childhood. I never realized what we did not have. Do you ever, were you raised like that? That's just a blessing if that's the case. I mean, whenever I'd go visit friends' houses when I was in, a, you know, junior high school and academy age, I'd go, whoa, two bathrooms, really? How do you do that? I mean, you know. You know, I was impressed with other people, but I never realized what we did not have. We had everything we needed, and we shared pretty much everything that we had under that roof. We had a, a huge freezer downstairs, one of the big chest freezers, and it was filled with food, and along the, the row of row after row, there were mason jars in our basement as well. They were, of course, filled with things that we had raised in our garden, or maybe we had bought when they were in season and canned them. We either froze or canned so many things. And so through the winter, we had an amount of food. And we all did all of that sort of thing. We did the canning. We did everything with our neighbors involved sometimes. So we, we again, shared everything. We lived on about a quarter, uh, one and a quarter acre lot on a corner. Now, because we lived out on Tick Ridge and there was probably only about 10 people that lived on that whole mile and a half road, we seemed like we lived in a much better area, but our property was actually about a, a, an acre and a quarter. Now, picture, if you will, our garden for that uh, would be about from the end of that pew in length over to the end of this pew. Now, this is what I remember. As far as looking up at the hill, looking down on that garden from our house, it was down below us. And it was probably as wide as from here to as far as my dad could get to the property line and probably a little over to get as many rows of crops as he could get. And so we had many, and they always ran this way. The rows always went this way. <clears throat> and I will tell you, we raised, again, most of our vegetables there. Now here was always the catcher when you're a kid. There was often times when we'd be directed to go to the garden to weed the garden. <sighs> Weeding the garden. My dad had the tiller, and he would go between the rows and get all the weeds that were in between the rows of crops. But then you had to go back and pull. My dad was military, had been military backing. And so he really liked to see those clean rows of the garden. And so, man, we just, you stand up there and you look at the size of this garden I'm looking at and go, no way, I've got to weed that garden. And as much as it seemed like a, an impossible task when you looked at it that way, you would realize also, again, you're on your hands and knees going down that row or however how many. But this is the exciting part. When all of us took a row and some of the things didn't need as much weeding as others, we could really do it as a family very quick. We were very blessed as I sit back and think about it, how fast it was when we all worked together and put our energy together and each of us taking a row. And then a lot of times we would even be competitive. Who could finish? You can't believe I'd be competitive. But, but you get to the end of the row like, oh, I win, I win, I win. You know, we'd make games out of anything. But working together in that garden was a very big part of 
our community feel in sharing and giving. Now, another thing that we used to do, <clears throat> my dad, bless his heart, he'd work all day and have to come around and pull into the driveway, and I'm sure it looked like a yard sale gone bad. You know, in the yard? Because I'm telling you, everything we played with throughout the entire day was strewn around our yard. Bikes, dolls, buildings that we would build, whatever we could find. And you know the attention span of kids, you know, you play with something for 30 minutes, that felt pretty good, now let's get something else out. And I'm telling you, it looked like just something had exploded, really. My dad was very patient, though, and when he'd finally get home and get settled and changed out of his work clothes, he'd say, okay, kids, it's time to police the yard. That was the code word, police the yard. Now, our job to police at first was to go and collect all of our own personal things that we had played with and put them up. And that took a considerable amount of time. But then here's where it kind of seemed the family thing. We'd all line up in a line across the front. All of us would line up in the front yard, and he'd, he'd blow a whistle. My dad loved a whistle, and he'd just And we would start walking and picking up garbage. Any pieces of paper that were a penny size or bigger, we had to pick up. And he would inspect after we were through. But once again, six of us going down through the yard, all the way to the back, spread out at intervals, didn't take us very long to do it. It was amazing. So I don't remember my childhood really being that consumed with the work as much as we did. Also, cleaning the house was also a thing that was fun. <clears throat> now, when we were little, my sister Jeannie, the oldest sister, she would pretty much just set us outside, lock the doors, pass us food through the windows. We actually had an outhouse in the back of our property. And so many times if she was cleaning and things were really intense for her, she'd just say, hey, just use the outhouse. And that's what we do. Open the windows in the kitchen, hand out sandwiches, you know, whatever she had to do. But she would clean the house and it would take her almost all day. Well, as we got older and a little more skilled in that, then it became the responsibility of all of us to help clean the house. Any of you do that Friday cleaning? Some of you are all looking, maybe smiling. Oh, the family cleaning time. And if you did it anything like us, it was really fun because you'd say, okay, I'll take the living room. And you'd always try to, of course, ask for the easiest one first, whatever was the easiest. You'd kind of look around and say, okay, I'll take this one. But you'd take an area of that house and you would take the responsibility for cleaning it. And then in just a short amount of time, guess what? It's clean. Again, that's just one of the things that we did, examples of how we work together as a family in our home at Tick Ridge, West Virginia. <clears throat> now, Pastor Jerry, a couple weeks ago, I kind of cringed. I had to disagree with Pastor Jerry. He's probably watching, too. Okay. I had to disagree with him on one thing, because in a sermon he mentioned, the early churches described in Acts as really not getting along, probably a lot of tension there. And, and that's probably really true. But you have to understand, I'm a middle child. And middle children liked it, everybody to get along. And so Pastor Jerry's looking at the church one way, I'm looking at it as the get along church. And so I tend to focus again on how good things could have been in the early church. That's my focus. Let's talk about the good stuff. And now I can illustrate that a little bit about how our family worked in one other situation. I think this might be the best illustration for me. Uh, and I'm going to say this sentence, and you're going to think it's, a, it's not grammatically correct. But I'm going to say this, but it is true. Here it is. 
Here it is. It was this point. As we were, our family was the cleaning janitorial team of the Charleston Seventh-day Adventist Church when I was growing up. And I will tell you that became a very important part of our lives. And as we would go through this, and again, growing up there, it was just amazing how much we would work together to clean that house, I mean that church. We would work so hard, we'd all go together, the station wagon would pull up to the church, doors would open, back door would open, and all this family would hit it just like it was a a, a mob squad of cleaners, and we would work together to clean. Now I will tell you that became an interesting thing for me. I want to share first with you, I want to go back to the, the text, go to Acts. So if you turn in your Bibles to Acts, uh, the, the second chapter, we're going to start in verse 43. And I want to share with you <clears throat> first, let's talk about the happy church. Here we go. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. There's the happy church. See, it sounds like they're getting along. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were saved. Now, I will tell you again, as I read through this, I see a church united in purpose. Amen? You see that? Sure, they're going to have their differences. United with God, truly the family of God. And I will tell you, I am so glad that I was raised in that process. Now, that means we we had issues. We had issues growing up. I'm going to kick back to one other situation. And I know this will be hard for you to understand, but there was probably times in life when I would do something myself that my parents didn't approve of. I know it's a shock. And maybe didn't even allow me to ever do strict. But I will tell you, I had my own NSA organization at our Tick Ridge home, and that was Kathy and Barbara, my two sisters. They were watching every move I made, seemed like. And any time I did one of those things was against the rules, were getting me in trouble, they seemed to be the first ones to run to say, Mommy, 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 guess what Tommy did? So there we go. Sure, there were some differences we had, and the thing is, I would have to take the punishment. Oh, the punishment. A lot of times that would be a disciplinary thing with spanking in the bathroom if it was bad enough. Man, man, I'd get in trouble. And the thing that was so sad to me is my sisters were sitting on the steps outside the bathroom crying as I was getting my beating. And I told them, I said, girls, we could eliminate a lot of problems in this. Just don't tell on me. It'll be good. You don't have to cry. I don't have to cry. Everybody happy. Well, see, the church of this time, I still think they could have had issues back in Acts this time, similar to what our family would have had. But I'm telling you, united, when I go back to our church, let me share this church cleaning thing now. Because as a family, as a family, none of us received any money from that individually. You think, well, if they're all cleaning that church, at the end of the month, when that check comes, buddy, we're cutting out, out that one-eighth, 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 one-eighth. 
All the money that we raised from our, our janitorial services at that church went to whoever was in school and needed tuition assistance. That's just how it was. We never knew we were supposed to get any money for it because that was the family. That was the family issue. That was the taking care of each other. And I'm telling you, it changed my life because it took the focus off of me. My family and our experiences together, that sharing, that caring, that giving of self to others, giving it away, giving it away is exactly what God wants us to do. That's the message of this whole thing. The reason this church functions so well together in Acts is because they were together united with purpose to give it away. All their possessions put together and given away to those in need. And I will tell you, it's hard in our time, isn't it, to find time to give things away? Give away. Well, it's your time. I've got a schedule. I've got my workout routine. I've got things to do. I've got to pick the kids up after school. When am I going to serve anybody else? Well, I found a video that today is also Southern Adventist University Emphasis Day. And I'm very proud that we have Southern Adventist University right over the ridge, over White Oak Mountain here. And I wanted to share with you the vision that they have in one of their ministries because even students that are working and studying and going to classes and doing what they have to do to get through school are taking time to give it away. And I just wanted to take a moment here. We're going to watch a video clip that Southern has produced to show them giving it away. in that little inner city cluster. You don't even think about the extravagant downtown areas and all the fancy buildings and the nice places. When you're in a place like Westside, there's no room to think about that kind of thing. It's just so stripped of any type of extravagant wealth, amenities. For uh, most of these families, most of these kids, there's no hope at all. You literally live to die for them. That's their mindset. These people know nothing about Jesus. They know that they hear all the time, but they don't know about his love and the gift of salvation. They don't understand that. So the spiritual state is, is close to none. It's a lot of poverty, and it's hard to tell some kid who really can't afford to eat that is a loving God of this guy who loves him. think about when I think about Westside is how the Bible talks about us needing to come to him like little children. I think that's a very congruent concept with an experience like Westside. You can learn more about that concept if you go out to Westside, spend time with the kids, hang out with them. Some of the simplest activities like hanging out with kids, playing with them can be such intricate blessings that really impact me and teach me more about God. I feel like it is such a big part of my spiritual life service, always has been. Since I know that Jesus loves me, like I can't help but share that love with others. And if I don't, then I personally feel like I don't really understand that love. Because if I did, why wouldn't I want to go? 
lot of the times, I think I go in there and like I want to teach these kids stuff, but they teach me a lot more. I've seen Christ in them. student missionary uh, in India and coming back was kind of a challenge for me just because I miss the kids and that aspect of serving people all the time. So I was really looking for an opportunity to serve others, especially with kids. And so I joined Westside mainly to have that opportunity to serve again. I play with kids and they're smiling and they're laughing, but you know, like you can see, underneath those smiles that they're struggling and that things are not okay. I was hanging out with this little kid, we were like coloring a picture, and all of a sudden he looked up at me, he was like, Ella, I know who you people are. And I was like, oh, who are we? And he's like, I think that you guys are those people that serve Jesus. And it was just so great, because they call us the church people all the time, but just to connect Jesus with what we're doing, I think that was so great. Our students make a connection from playing while we do our outreach to the students, their spiritual connection at that, by being an example, by being a role model. They're not cursing, the way they dress, the way they speak, they speak to the children with respect, they look at them eye to eye, they play with them. It's a positive role model, and by doing that, we gain the trust of the children. And after that, we develop a relationship with them. Then if we say, let's pray, or let's read a story, let's sing a song, we're ready to do that, and they're ready to accept that. One thing I've learned in growing with a relationship with Christ, you can't claim to be in love with Christ and be a follower of Christ if you don't show them to others. A lot of times people get caught up in the education they're getting, the degree and, and schooling, and they don't have time to share Christ's love. So I feel like West Side for Jesus is an opportunity for me to minister to young kids who look up to me. This is not a third world country. This is right here. This is where we live. And to see the children there, beautiful kids. But you can tell they're not as privileged as some of us are, but they still thirst for the same thing. They still have the same need that we have. If anything, they appreciate it even more. And that solidified the need to serve at home, also globally. But there's also work to be done right here where we are. My name is Andrew Ashley, and I connect with kids through Westside for Jesus. I go door to door, hoping to open doors to people's hearts. I am a part of a Bible study team. I am a personal trainer, helping others have great health that can last a lifetime. I'm a part of a praise and worship team. Yo cuido a los niños en la guardería. I save lives. I teach children the love of God. I use drama to touch people's lives. Together, with God's help, we can make a difference. difference. I think so, that's right. And the thing I like about this and in these testimonies, and you probably have felt it in your hearts anyway, Giving it away is not only good for the one receiving the help, but it is also given back to us. 
And that's the beauty of giving it away. I'd like to turn uh, in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke, the sixth chapter, verse 38. This is Jesus talking about this giving aspect. Luke 6, 38. This is the New King James Version. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I did a little research on this in the Gill's exposition of the entire Bible and in the pulpit commentary. Because there's a couple of things in here. I get the part of give and it will be given unto you. Give liberally is where the next, the good measure. Because in the times of trading in the Bible times, and probably still in the same areas today, when you were making a deal with someone, you made sure that that was a full, full pack of whatever you were selling. And in the grains or whatever you were selling that was solid, you would press it down. You would sift it. You would shake it to make sure there were no open spots. And you were giving a fair share. You were giving a fair gift or a fair gain to to sell to someone. That was very critical. And then, of course, the way I like it here, it says it will return to you in the same measure you use. So you would want that to work for you in, in, in your dealings back in this time as far as merchandise back and forth. And then I like this one part about the, uh, and to put it in your bosom. I thought, well, I was a little confused with that. Okay, because for me, that's a t-shirt or something. I'm just going to hold it right here. But as I studied through it and found out in the Eastern culture there, especially during the time of Christ, with the clothes that they had, they had the wraparound type clothes that kind of resembled a robe, but yet there was a girdle cloth across the middle, and above that was a sash type attitude of the robe. There were no pockets to you put anything in. They had everything stored in that section right here on the bosom and the chest. And that was close for anybody to not steal. That was just a good location to keep your valuables. And so God is telling us, I'm sure in this, that that is where our, our, our riches will even flow from that. The more he gives back to us, guess what will happen? It will continue to come from us and go to others, to give it away. And again, I'm just excited about the thought of our opportunities here at the church today. So first time we've tried a weekend of so, service outreach weekend. Jesus is our, constant, uh, is, our, is our constant model, isn't he? Isn't he the one we're supposed to look to? Is there an amen for that? And, I, and as I think about Jesus and what he did, as he fed the multitudes, he was giving service. As he was healing the sick, giving service. Meeting people's needs in whatever they needed, he was constantly giving it away. And I want to take the last part of this Luke 6.38, and I'm just going to read this one little section from the Message Bible, which gives it a little bit different meaning maybe to us. And it says here in Luke 6.38 in the Message, give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. We do for others. We give to others. Why? 
because we're a part of the family of God. Not because we're going to gain any heaven points for acceptance. There's not any goals you can get through that. We do for others because Jesus did for others. That's why we do it. That's our example. We do for others so that we are no longer selfish and self-centered, which is so easy to do in our society and our schedules that we put ourselves under. We serve others, and because we serve others, guess what we're doing? We're opening ourselves up to grow in our spiritual journey. Giving it away. That's how you do it. When I taught school years ago, I had a student. I'm going to name him John. John came to school. He wanted to be a businessman. Always told us, I'm going to be a businessman, Mr. Hayes. I'm going to make a lot of money. You teachers, you're just not real smart. You got to be business. I said, okay, John, good for you. He's about 10th grade. We went on a mission trip, and he went not because he wanted to. His parents wanted him to go, and his sister was going, so he was going to kind of watch after the sister, and she was younger. And so John begrudgingly went on the mission trip. And it was so hard to work with John at that first part of the mission trip especially, because no matter what we seemed to do on that mission trip, it was never good enough. Griping about the food. Do we have to ride in this old vehicle? Do we have to sleep on the floor? Are you kidding me? What is this? Just constantly seemed to be discouraged and, 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 and negative. And as I went through that week with John, I saw changes starting to happen. As he was singing with the group, he'd get up the first night and just sing in front, and everybody was so excited that we were singing for them in this community and where we were building. And then he'd build, and people would come by and thank him for what he was doing. And, and you could see John starting to change a little bit. John's attitude was shifting. I could sense it. And by the time we got back, he was singing along with the kids and the vehicles and just having the best time. And when we got back and he settled in, back into the school schedule, he came up to me one day and he says, Mr. Hayes, you know what? I was going to go into business, but now I want to be a youth pastor. I thought, praise the Lord. How do you get that? You can't take a class and switching to a pastor, being a youth pastor. You've got to give stuff away from yourself to let the Lord lead, right? You've got to have that happen in your life. You've got to be willing to do that. And I, and I just love this last part in the New Century Version of the same text. Luke 3, uh, 638, give and you will receive, you will receive and be given much. It will spill into your lap in the returns. The way you give to others is the way that God will give to you. And you can't outgive God. We've got to give it away. Loving and caring for those in need, and I will tell you, I have uh, over 250 sermon illustrations for you this afternoon if you'd like to come and watch. Now, Pastor Alex mentioned we have about 180 parents and young children that are going to go around this afternoon at different times into the community, into the nursing homes, into the assisted living areas. Many, I think there's six or eight locations that they're going to go to. They're going to minister to those people there in song and promise cards and in gift cards and singing and hugging and praying. That's a ministry. That's a service. Now, there's other opportunities. Many of you have already signed up to help with the physical needs that people have.
And those needs are still on the clipboards out here on the, uh, in the foyer. If you have not signed up and would like to be part of an actual uh, SO project, we have, I think there's 18 projects still out there that you could sign up for. And what we'll do is this afternoon at 2 o'clock, people from that group need to call or go and visit with those folks that they're going to be doing the service for. These are people who can't do it for themselves in our community. We've worked with the Samaritan Center to get these names. Their clients have been contacted. They're excited about us coming to help them. I did want to share this one story. This one story. This lady sent this uh, email to the Samaritan Center this week. And she said her grandson had tried to mow the lawn last weekend, but the mower wouldn't work. And so she is so glad that service weekend for Collegedale Community is coming up. She thanked us for putting her on the list and said, we don't know how much this means to me. Now, I will tell you, our Helping Hands crew here, I'm looking across here at Jerry Jones right now, and I know others are here. We have a ministry already here that help people in, in the community, help with the Samaritan Center. They're working on a project even tomorrow while we're working on our one big weekend. And I appreciate the ministry and the feel that's giving it away that these men in our church are, are exhibiting and they're, they're witnessing. So proud of what they do. So glad for what they are able to help people with. And so today, again, if you would like to be part of a project, this is mostly light housekeeping, uh, lawn cleanup. Uh, many hands make light work, you know, as the Hayes family out on Tick Ridge could show you, or maybe through your experience. So if you feel like you would like to go, especially tomorrow, to help with the physical needs from one to four, sign up even today. If you can't go to visit today at the home, we'll plan for you to be there tomorrow at one o'clock to help. Bring your tools, work together, get to know some other people here in the church possibly as well. Just a great opportunity to grow as a church family. And then today, now here's the fun part, get your Adventist hats on for this one if you're here for that. We're going to have a haystack supper, that's right, even serving sour cream, uh-oh. So, <clears throat> but anyway, if you'd like to come for supper tonight, it's full supper we'll have here in the fellowship hall, and we're going to talk about what we did this afternoon. I can't wait to hear some of the testimonies of the kids when they come back from the nursing homes in the different areas, and those who have been able to visit people that need the work tomorrow afternoon. So there's several options for you to go. You can go with the kids and watch them sing this afternoon. You can go visit someone that we'll be doing the, the work for tomorrow and sign up for that. Any which way you want to go. We want to make this an easy service outreach program for us all. And we want to make it something that shows again to God that we can give it away. So I'm hoping that would be something that you could participate in. I'll be out there after the service if you have any questions and uh, if you need to, to sign on. You know, the sharing of the love of God through service is the witness we need. Showing others a wonderful, loving God is our mission. That's why we're here. So others can find God and join with us for eternity. I'd invite you now, I'm going to have the worship team to come out, and I would invite you all to stand. We're going to sing this beautiful hymn.